Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is April 1st, 2019, and this is episode 262. My name is Jake English. And I am Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we'll review, well, I mean, I guess we'll review the opening series in New York. It's all there is. And Jake will also get a little stupid. And how you all doing? <laughs> and we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what are you drinking? Uh, Jake, I'm drinking a lovely orange beer, a Birdley House Pale Ale from Brewer's Art. Crisp, yummy. Oh, boy. What a beer. Scotty, I am drinking the palest of waters as I try to dry out this evening. Oh, your tears. It's been a long day. Yeah. Um, but very excited very excited. Uh, we have stocked the house full of uh, mixed drink and cocktail accoutrements. So, uh, Is that allowed? Yeah, it's becoming uh, that time of year where you can come home, make yourself a nice drink, enjoy some baseball out on the deck. It's uh, So you can't buy beer, but you can buy liquor. Accoutrements are cheap. So you can follow what we're drinking on a weekly basis on Untapped. I'm at MAGN8606. I'm at JakeE4025. And with that, let's go ahead and check in our livers in the medical wing. Well, Jake, popping into the first segment in the medical wing, um, it looks like uh, someone that had a groin strain is actually going to get some action, unlike the men in the English and the Magnus household. Nice. Alex Cobb is going to look like he's going to return for the home opener, barring some kind of miraculous setback. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I predicted last week that I didn't think he was going to be back until late April. Looks like it was wrong. Again, fish source for lack of insight and baseless opinion here at Bird's Eye View. Yeah, no, it's uh, it'll it'll be good to have him back. Uh, you know, I I'll be interested. Actually, I'll be interested to see what the roster move is there. Who do you think gets sent down? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Let's we'll see. Let's let's talk about it a little bit later right. on, shall we? Uh, also, we've got Mark Trumbo, who's still. Do we still have the spin the wheel sound effect? <laughs> hey, I'm not the ones in the twos guy. Okay, I'll, I'll see if I can find that. Mark Trumbo is still uh, uh, at a farm upstate, apparently, because of his knee. Who knows if we'll ever see him again? Yeah. And then you've got Austin Wins, who uh, has an oblique strain, and everyone has forgotten about him because of Jesus Sucre. Um, yeah, it was nice knowing you, Austin Wins. <laughs> it, that's pretty healthy. It is relatively healthy compared to, oh, I don't know, like the Yankees who literally have 15 people on the injured list right now. I feel badly about that. Yeah. I do. I do feel badly. Poor do, Duke fan. Should we be held accountable this year if we call players that go on injury onto the disabled list? Like, it, does that make us awful human beings? Yeah, I think we need a, I think we need a misspeaking jar. And every time we, if mistakenly say disabled list we put it into the disabled jar if we're gonna have a misspeaking jar Derek arnold is gonna make me flood <laughs> that jar okay all right we'll, we'll call it well i don't know what to call it the injured list jar we'll call it the injured list jar we will uh save money all season and then we'll do something fun with it right sounds good so uh, bird's eye view listeners keep us accountable uh what, what do you want to call it um how much do you want to put in the jar each time quarter 
Okay. It's a quarter, uh, a misspeaking on injured uh, list. I got an idea. So uh, we put the money in there at the end of the year. Uh, we give it to a minor league baseball player to allow them to live for another season. We could hand deliver it at Aberdeen. Right. I like this. So, I mean, I think we're missing something, and I'm glad that we're getting some audience participation, but if we hear someone misspeak, I think ultimately we need to correct them. So I think if we hear them misspeak, I think we've got to go. That sounds familiar. It does sound familiar. Let's chat about it this week on the Twitters. This week on the Twitter starts with something that I'm extremely excited about. Hope Springs Eternal, Scott, because my favorite podcast is back. My favorite Orioles podcast, of course, the Baltimoreans. You mean us? <laughs> yes. The B Morons Twitter account tweeted out on You mean us. March 29th. <laughs> well, oh, no, not March 29th. Our relentless schedule of making one episode per calendar year and then forgetting to tell anyone about it rolls on. Episode who knows? We, and also the Orioles, are bad at this, is out. And folks, if you waste your time with us on a weekly basis, shame on you. Go out and listen to every episode of The Baltimoreans that has ever been produced. And then pressure them to continue to produce that show. Also, if you're a little right-leaning, you may want to skip to minute 38 in that podcast. <laughs> just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. Just press that 15-second move forward button repeatedly over and over and over again. Now, I... You you mentioned the the April Fools. Uh, what are you talking about? You you meant you mentioned the uh, the robe that we threw on today, but I just want to peel the curtain back a little bit. Yeah, because you're smarter than me. Yeah, you're better than me, and gosh darn it, people like you. Uh, I figured it out while I was at work because I couldn't make heads or tails out of the Twitter feed. I'm I'm looking at the notifications on my phone. I'm like, what is going on? It took me like a solid five minutes to figure it out. Well, I mean, since we're the official podcast of the All Weather Fan, we've got to put it out there and you know support our our, our our local fans. Oh, sorry, I like it. All right, next week goes into the category of strategery. Oh, this is classic Baltimoreans. Um, this week comes from Justin Fenton at Justin underscore Fenton. I told you all we should trade all our good players and bet Renato Nunez cleanup, and no one listened to me. Hashtag Orioles. Crazier things have happened, but not recently. Matt Taylor's son is going to be so giddy. He is indeed. All right. My next uh, tweet is, it's just built of sadness. It's built on a house of sadness. And it goes as follows. This is a tweet from at wave it bye bye. None other than Joe Angel himself. Didn't miss the early wake up call. Didn't miss the three hour and 17 minute rain delay. Won't miss customs in Toronto. But I sure did miss seeing the hashtag Orioles take two of three in the Bronx. Well done. Those were lovely totals. They were indeed. They were lovely totals. Absolutely. All right, all right. Next tweet goes to the category of, yes, that seems a little little over-enthusiastic. Um, tweet comes from says, Betty's Family Barbecue, who are very overly enthusiastic individuals. Um, and tweet goes as follows. America is about to fall in love with the 2019 Orioles. And uh, it's a tweet referencing back to Masson posting some of the celebrations, uh, actually from the second win, so this is Sunday's game, with John Means and uh, Tim Cousins. Uh, well, they're getting a uh, getting a little bit of a bath. So uh, some excellent singing. We're going to get a cease and desist for playing Happy Birthday on the air.
Mark Trumbo would not approve of such shenanigans. What do you think? Team having fun okay? Absolutely. It's great. Team having fun important for a team that's going to have a lot of not fun this season? I'm concerned about whether they're going to get it in their eye. Because if they get in their eye, this could cause a safety issue. Time for your checkup. Time for uh, your checkup. But no, I mean, I'd like to see this. I mean, it, it comes back down to we as a fan base embraced the pie. Obviously, Adam Jones is no longer here, so something new has to happen. Um, and, and ultimately, the pie went away for a period of time as well when there were safety concerns or um, maybe just a general individual that just didn't like to be pushed, have stuff put in his face. Um, now that that has moved on and we're part of a new era, it certainly seems like uh, baby powder, beer, and whatever syrupy other concoctions reside in a, uh, in a Baltimore Orioles clubhouse is now free game. So, Well, I tell you, I'm okay with the beer in the clubhouse as long as it isn't paired with the uh, fried chicken. Okay. Our next tweet comes from Joe Trezza, who, of course, uh, works for MLB.com. It's a tweet, or it's a quote. (laughs) It is a tweet uh, of at Joe Trezza. The the quote is from John Means. At the beginning of camp, I thought it'd be one of the first guys sent to the minor leagues, said John Means, who saved the hashtag Orioles today by styming the Yankees for three-plus innings pitched. This is a nice feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. You know, for a season that that may not have that many presents for us, unwrap this one, hold it close, fall asleep with it tonight. Because little moments like John Means having a great game and felling the mighty Yankees, that's good stuff. I like it. So, Jake, as we interact into the new 2019 season, there are going to be new followers that take us into this new age of Orioles baseball. And, you know, you look at... Um, legendary accounts such as like Seductive Tommy H. And um, let's just say the bar is high for people to meet that category. But there is a few out there that I think could potentially take on that mantle. One of these would be uh, a new one that just started up called Positive Chris Davis Tweets. And you can follow it at POS Chris Davis. Which, Wait a minute. Which, POS Chris Davis? Which again... Could be put back into the aspect of something else later on the season if Chris Davis isn't so positive. <laughs> so, again, I like the marketing here of, hey, I can spin this one way or the other. But for the time being, we're going to be positive to begin the season. And, and the thing is, is that this is not the only new Chris Davis uh, parody account. So, Bird's Eye View listeners, do me a favor. Let me know what your favorite new Chris Davis parody account is. Like I said, there are a couple out there. Look high, look low, report it out to us, and tweet us at BirdseyeViewBAL. I'm really disappointed, actually, there's not a Chris Davis mustache parody account yet. Of course there is. It's out there, Scott. There's someone out there. In the Twitter multiverse? Of course there is. Take care of that for us. I mean, if you're in your 18 to 20s and you've got nothing else to do, just go ahead and take care you're of it. You're good with Photoshop? Yeah, whatever you may to do. You know, just talk about the lovely bristles on, on your nose. It's the face rather than the nose. Anywho. All right. Well, with that, uh, let's get into the first series of uh, the 2019 series. And hey, bit of a surprise. Let's go around the bases and cover what happened in New York this past weekend.
Scotty, this is not Bird's Eye View Season 1. So we're not going to do a series recap of all the games. We're not going to go at bat by at bat, out by out. But w- Would you like me to mess with your mic a little bit to make it really staticky? Absolutely. Okay. That would be really like Season 1 of Bird's Eye View. Can we listen to the fan in the background? We can. <laughs> but we do have exactly three games to talk about here in the 2019 season. So what is there? to talk about let's let's go around the bases we've we've selected for you listeners four things that we decided to care about because we decided to care about them and here we go let's start at first base scotty i ask you this is it early or is it early in the season Hmm, that's tough i'm gonna have to go with it's early this is not truth or truth here's the thing you can look at it in one of two ways look either it's early so we don't have to worry about the fact that dylan bundy and andrew kashner uh got bounced early then again it's early. So the book maybe isn't out so much yet on Renato Nunez or Joey Rickard or some of the guys that have been helping the Orioles. So is it early or is it early? First of all, I'm going to correct you. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sorry to jump into this so early. Um, but, um, you know, Dylan Bundy and Andrew Kashner didn't get bounced early. They actually got bounced in the typical time frame that they normally get bounced at. Now, whether that's early compared to the rest of the league is another matter. But the fact of the matter is they basically put up their historical value. I don't want you to be right. But I usually am. So let me move on to this. Okay. It's early. Yeah. So maybe that's the reason that this lineup was able to jump on the Yankees. You know, maybe it's early, and so Tanaka and company weren't quite up to par. Yeah, I mean, it was also a situation where the Yankees um, obviously did not do so well with runners in scoring position. Sure. Uh, A.K.A. they took the book from the 2016, 2017, and 2018 Orioles, where... Yeah, they struck out a lot, and they left a lot of runners on base. But it's early. It's early. And what you can say is this. The Orioles won two games and lost one. And in this early part of the season, that's their record, regardless of how early it is. So, Jake, let's go on over to second base. And, um, Jake... Should we be embracing gallows humor or positivity right now? I've got two tweets, and I know this is completely breaking. We already did this week on the Twitter, Scott. But we're going to go back to this week on the Twitters. Crank uh, it up to 88 miles an hour. Let's go back. This first one comes from Chris with a bunch of digits, which I only assume is his social security number, and I'm not going to read it out loud. Uh, who am I getting? 72862531. In fact, everyone tried to give that number a call, and let's just see what it rings to. Only two days into the season, and I'm already tired of the local beat writers' tongue-in-cheek comments about the birds. Try and stay positive, people. All right, here's another one. All right. This one comes from Kim, whose last name is going to give me some trouble, at Kim Shush, uh, to hashtag Orioles Twitter. I want to start a movement. I realize this won't be for everyone, and if you don't agree, that's okay. But if you do agree, please retweet. Use hashtag don't sleep on us in your tweets. Quote me a reply with what you think. And then uh, at Orioles, at Mass and Orioles, at Kristen M. Hudak, at Be More Bachelorette. And there's a screenshot that says, I realize this season has only been three days, but I'm feeling... One second. Yeah, that checks out. That checks out. out. Yeah. Checks out. Okay. Yeah. I, I like the fact that the numbers guy was with me yeah. on that one. But I'm feeling really energized. <laughs> By the hopeful enthusiasm and energy I see from the true diehards on Orioles Twitter. That's not to say that there won't be negativity. We're all going to get frustrated and make sarcastic jokes and tweet our frustrations. It's normal. Hi. (laughs) My request is simple. Can we just show as much positivity to our team as possible? If they do something great, add them and let them know. Encourage them. Let them know we're here. 
If they have not such a great game, please don't add them. Phantom is discussing, complaining, cheering, wanting to die, etc. But these guys are going to be tagged in plenty of negativity from moron fans and casual fans and simply not warranted and who true O's fans are. Criticize the play, not the player. Let's make this rebuild an entire movement. Walk with Mike Elias. Trust Brandon Hyde. Support and encourage our young players. Bond together in hope and hopeful enthusiasm as fans. Laugh and joke at the bad times. All right, we're 17 minutes in and we've entered into socialist agenda. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, it's a real question, I think, because there are two schools of thought, right? There's this one that says, look, let's try to be a little positive here. Right? There's the other one, which I think is best embodied by Derek Arnold over at Utah Street Report, who didn't take real beef, but he took beef with something that Mike Petralio said um, on on Twitter, and it was basically like, only I can beat up my little brother, um, and where where uh, where he said, you know, basically, I'm tired of seeing the national media dunk on the Orioles. I get that, too. We are going to dive into Gallo's humor, is what... Uh, is what Derek said in a follow-up tweet. And the thing is, is that we can do it both ways, but which of, which of the fan is going to be happier with this season? The one that dives into the gallows humor, the one that leans into the pain, the one that makes that part of the fun of the experience, or the one that focuses only on the positive? I don't know. And I, and I think, you know, you and I are clearly in one camp and not the other. But I think the real test here is tolerance of the other, right? It's how well do you handle the fact that there are other people that enjoy the game differently, and how do you avoid sniping at them when things aren't going your way? I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'll, ultimately I think this comes back down to when you see instances like individuals putting it out there of saying, oh, well, the Orioles are doing this, or the Orioles can't believe they're even feeling a competitive team. It comes back down to there's nothing else to talk about, so you basically fall to a lowest common denominator, and it's just laziness in terms of putting out a tweet. It's just the easy joke, as it were. It's the three stooges of uh, baseball humor, um, and that's fine. you know. But overall, it, it kind of gets into a Carrot Top routine where it's fun to watch Carrot Top one time, but watching it multiple times is pretty much a crime against yourself. Um, so let's not do that. Let's you know make a mockery when mockery needs to be had, like... Orioles dropping a ball in the middle of the infield and then somehow managing to turn a double play in New York, which I still don't know how that's possible. But there is going to be some really ugly moments. Uh, there's going to be some really like, oh, that was actually kind of interesting. Um, but I completely agree with this aspect of when expectations are as low as they are, it makes no sense to criticize them when they live up to those poor expectations. It's when they succeed is what we saw this past weekend, especially on Sunday where the fan base um, had a tendency to come together and stick up for kind of a bad news bears, as it were, uh, for for Baltimore. And, you know, it talked a lot about coming into the season, what was the identity of the fan base and what was the identity of this team going to be? And I think the identity of the fan base and team is going to be, we're going to go and support these guys no matter what, because ultimately um, they're trying as hard as they can. And as long as they're trying out as hard as they can, we're going to support them because we're trying as hard as we can on a daily basis as well. Well, except for Derek Arnold, he just sits and blogs and does anything. But yeah, I, I also don't want, uh, I don't want people to confuse, you know, gallows humor and having a good time with the situation as 
negativity. No, we're full of gallows humor and, and negativity. I mean, I still think that Brendan Hyde is a Muppet. Um, you know, he's got a little bit more personality now, but he's still a Muppet of a man. He is indeed a Muppet of a man. All right, let's go to the next base. All right, going over third base, uh, the bullpen uh, certainly got its work in this past weekend. Um, starters obviously weren't much to write home about. Um, so let's waste ink on a few innings worth of overreaction to relievers. Uh, John Means, emerging hero or just plain lucky? I, you're not going to like this. Well, maybe, maybe you will. Listeners might not like this. I think lucky. I, I, I was impressed with the, the pitches that I saw and the fact that he wasn't afraid to throw that change up over the plate or just off the plate to, you know, judge and Stanton. I just wonder how often he can get away with that. Right. I wonder with enough video, how long he can keep that up. Good Lord. I hope he can keep it up all season. But, uh, you know, he, he's clearly on the team because he can provide innings out of the bullpen. His pitch arsenal, you know, provides enough of a differential where that changeup can be effective. So there's hope there. But from what I saw, I saw a team in the Yankees that weren't clicking and John Means taking advantage. Jake, John Means is the new Dick Blyer. Okay. Be prepared to see... John means absolutely dominate. I agree with you that it was a bit of luck. I mean, you look at his his past weekend, 444 BABIP. Um, but again, 13.5 case per nine. He had an immense amount of whiff rate. And you're right. I mean, the Yankees were not putting it together. But still, uh, achieving a whiff rate against even a Major League Baseball team is, is a reproducible skill, as it were. So uh, I'm going to go with John Means being my Richard Blyer breakout for 2019. Okay. Okay. Um, well, and again, once again, just like when Richard Blyer came onto the field, I don't know if I could have determined who John Means was. Like, even if he was walking by the stand, I'd be like, I don't know if that's John Means or an usher. Yeah. Could be either one. Uh, might be both. He might actually have a side job as an usher. Dick Blyer signed my kid's cast that, that year that he broke his arm. Yeah. And I had no idea who, who he was on so site. So you got a dick on your son's cast? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Let's move from there. Let's talk about um, Nate Carms and his own opening okay. day. Uh, what did you see there out of Nate Carnes? Eh, it was okay. Um, got himself into a bind in the first inning, but overall, he was did exactly what he needed to do. He got through his two innings and moved on past it. Do you think that he is a guy that can be stretched out into a starter? Do you think at this point in his career with his injury history and whatnot, he is a long man out of the pen? Uh, I could see him maybe get to four or five innings. I don't think it's anything past that. So I think as long as you're of the opinion that he's only going to go at most five innings, okay, that's fine. I think the Orioles are going to use him in this long man approach of three innings here, three innings there, three innings here. Um, you know, he's scheduled to do another opener once again. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be a situation where this is going to be a fluid spot in the rotation. It doesn't need to be Nate Carnes, you know, spot every single time in the rotation. But I could easily see the Orioles saying, okay, we're willing to throw this game away. We're going to throw Nate Carnes out there and just give this one to preserve the sanctity of the rest of the rotation i I hate to say this uh maybe the opener approach is the only way that this team can can win on the regular you look at the pitching rotation you look at the whole staff how can you patch together nine innings you know we just talked about bundy and cashner being out early and not having that being an unusual thing Maybe you need a bunch of guys like John Means and Nate Carnes, and I can't believe I'm going to say Mike Wright, who can give you innings and patch it all together, and hopefully your offense scores runs. I think it's an interesting scenario because it comes down to 
whether or not the Orioles are going to have longevity to do this. So mm-hmm. I think back to Sunday's game, and I think back to Michael Givens being out there for up to 50 pitches. And obviously, Brandon Hyde did not want to bring in another relief pitcher because, again, it puts a taxing and a toll um, to perform such maneuvers as the opener at a later point. So I'll be interesting to see how the health situation goes. If you know a player like a Richard Blyer or a Michael Givens or a Nathan Carnes goes down. On the injured list. On the injured list. Then um, it may put a, a greater taxing on it. Now, maybe someone gets it together. Um, maybe we see Hunter Harvey at some point, and he comes up as an opener as well. Um, but, again, for the time being, um, as you mentioned during the medical wing, the orders are relatively healthy. We'll see how long they can kind of shuffle around with the April schedule, as it were. Once they get into June and July and the off days, to a certain regard, disappear, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how the opener actually does. All right. Let me uh, let me go to Jimmy Yacobonis because I was actually really— Do we have to? Yeah. I was okay. really intrigued by his outing. I was really intrigued by his outing because I thought that his command was uh, left a lot to be desired. Yes. But I thought his stuff was pretty good. And I think that on a day, if that day ever arrives, mm-hmm. where he can spot that stuff, that he can be pretty good. And when I say pretty good, I mean let's let's you know let's let's use just a little bit of, of logic there. I think that he can be a decent, uh, you know, multiple inning reliever or a pretty good one inning reliever in the you know maybe maybe in that uh, Tommy Hunter area. Mm. Yeah, see, I was going more with the uh, Abaldo Jimenez uh, <laughs> targets. So we already get the Richard Blyer award you mean, out. You mean better than Zach Britton? Clearly, yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I just don't see Jimmy Yacobonis dominating, as it were. I just see uh, wildness, and yes, he was successful, but I just don't see it being sustainable. Um, yeah, I, I he's going to get innings this year. That's the thing. Jimmy Yacobonis, because of the contract situation, because mm-hmm. of the roster that he's on, yeah. is going to get innings. And so uh, that's actually— At first a, base, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, at the plate, no less. Um Late inning pinch hitter, but I, I will be interested to see what happens because if he can lock in a little bit, I think that the stuff might be good enough to you know make him a legit major league reliever. I'm not saying he's going to be great, a legit major league reliever. Control is going to be a really interesting scenario um, because I keep saying scenario. One second, that's going in my coin jar. Um, but you've got two catchers that really haven't caught the staff or the rotation. And I'm looking at how certain pitchers are pitching to these catchers, and they're missing their spots left and right. And I don't think it's the catcher's fault. Um, in fact, I've actually been pretty encouraged by looking at some of the catcher's defense in terms of pitch framing and just kind of pop-up times. But I, I, I do wonder um, if they're able to read the pitchers well enough and say, if this isn't working, we need to go to something else at this time. And I, there's been a lot of wildness this past weekend. I think the Orioles were very fortunate to get out of some of the games with as little damage as they gave up with his giving up as many walks. Jimmy Yacobonis, I think, is one of those guys that got really lucky that he didn't have it blow up bigger on him with the control that he had. I'm willing to take that. Yeah. Off script for a second here. Sure. Let's. You brought up the catchers. Let's talk about the catchers. Okay. We didn't expect to see either of these guys in the majors, and yet here they are. Um, the results, okay. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Sucre had a good day at the plate that one time. It was a little weird, his body language with the pitchers. 
he was visibly frustrated at the pitchers yeah. for not being able to hit their spots. And, you know, he's a guy that hasn't been, as you indicated, with them all spring. It was interesting. Like, it was like an arm punch sometimes or like a flail away. Like, nope, like, that's not yeah, good enough. Or, or like, yeah, or, or like, you know, he'd look off to the side real dramatically. Yeah, like, mm, like, almost like dismissive, like, yeah. like, oh, what are you doing? But then, like, when there was a really good pitch and it was like, you know, upper chest level, blows it by someone he would be like enthusiastic. I think he's just an emotional guy. Like okay. I think he's got a few maybe screws loose up there. <laughs> but I I talked about this way back in the day when we were at FanFest and we were talking about Chan Cisco. And that was one of the situations where I looked at Cisco and I'm like, he doesn't have the emotion or personality. Yeah. yeah. So I'd rather see that emotion and temperament behind the plate uh, to kind of give it to the hitter or give it to the umpire or kind of really call out some of these young players rather than just kind of sit back there and just say, I'm just here to catch the ball. So you're saying he's modern-day presidential? Absolutely. Big hands. Yeah. Huge uh, hands. On the other side, Pedro Severino, I thought his enthusiasm was was kind of, you know, it was cute. Like, he was super excited. He was fist-pumping after yes. good pitches. He was like... There was one of Aaron his, Judge, right? That, yeah. Yeah, it, they, it, we pitched it past Aaron Judge for the third strike, and he literally, like, fist-pumped like this, and I'm like, whoa, like... That's, I don't he, think I've seen that in a while. He looked like I felt. Yeah. <laughs> so he might be fun to watch just from like the childlike joy. But but I thought they were two very different emotions, right? Like Sucre had more of an edge and, and a, an occasional meanness to it, to his own guys. Yeah. Whereas Severino was just like, boy, howdy, so happy to be there. And and things happen to be going well. So, so you be... are the Pedro Severino of the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, that makes you Jesus. No, exactly. If I'm going to be angsty and uh, full of emotion against our young players, I think that makes me Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry. We we left the bullpen sort of. Uh, let's see if we can get back on track. Oh, back on track. There's my segue. Uh, is the bandwagon rolling again for Miguel Castro? No. I want it to be so much, but I just... I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Yeah, all right. I just don't see it. Uh, Jake, the more important question I have, is our dick fully recovered? Gosh, I hope so. Me too. Me too. I really do. I mean... It's call, been so long. Call, call so a, long. Actually, it's short, but it's so long that we've actually had a fully recovered dick. You good? I didn't want to short you. Yeah. Um, you know... Call it a flash in the pan. Call it, you know, his uh, his uh, coronation. What, whatever you will. Either he's going to build on what was a good 2018 until it was shortened, or it'll be a quick exit. Right, or he's going <laughs> to flame out. Uh, which you what don't I, want to have a flaming dick. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm afraid of. You know, the the Orioles, a flaming dick. Yes. Okay. Always. Always. No, not nope. going there. Nope, not going there. Um, Always the Orioles seem to find that that reliever who can be awesome for a short period of time. And I would hate for him to be just one of the guys who's a flash in the pan and then gone. I think this gets back to the point of uh, Nate Carnes or the John Means of, is there enough tape already on Dick Blyer now mm -hmm. where it's he's a known entity, as it were? But I also wonder, you know, what is Dick Blyer's role going to be? Is it closer? Is it eighth inning, you know? He's, we've tried him before in that closer role, and it never works out. It's as if you're looking at the same show notes I am, because my next question for you is related. Okay. Um, what does Brandon Hyde's limited usage of the bullpen in this series 
tell us, if anything, about the utilization of the bullpen in this new walk with Elias trust in the process era. All right. We've seen a couple of weird things and let me just, let me just throw them out here. Okay. Okay. We've seen uh, Michael Gibbons, who I think most fans would have said he's the closer, right? He's the dependable arm back. More than likely the best relief pitcher in terms of talent. Sure. So he is your most dependable guy. Most fans would have expected to see him out there in the ninth. And what have we seen? We've seen him, again, small sample size, small sample sample size. We've seen him twice come in in the eighth inning, Mm -hmm. right? Does that say that, you know, Brandon Hyde is going to use his his best guy, you know, in the clutch moment in the game, regardless of the inning? Or does it mean that somebody else is going to be tapped the quote-unquote closer? I think we're going to see the best pitcher come out in the most highest clutch situation. I don't think we're going to play by the save rule anymore, which is weird to see. And even watching, you're just like, wait a second, if he gets through this inning, who comes up next inning? And we haven't been used to that, of thinking that way as Baltimore Orioles fans. It's just, this is who pitches the seventh inning, mm-hmm. this is who pitches the eighth inning, this is who pitches the ninth inning. And there's no kind of consideration given to, well, if you know Judge is coming up and Stanton is coming up, Maybe it's more appropriate that we bring in our best pitcher now, and especially to prevent Gardner from getting on base and coming up with a big rally. And then we'll get into the second half of the lineup. And, you know, coming back to the Yankees, I mean, the second half lineup is still a very good lineup. But ultimately, you want to put your best pitcher against their best players. As much as the second half lineup is still good players, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best players. So you put your best against your best, and you see what happens. Yeah, and... You asked about Blyer. Is he the closer? Is he not? I think he's one of those guys that's dependable enough mm-hmm. that Hyde is going to trust him in the ninth inning. Hyde is going to trust him in the seventh when he desperately needs to put a fire out. You know, he's going to trust him in the fourth when a when a uh, you know starter gets knocked out. I think that the answer to that question is we're not going to see a closer. On the other, yeah, so that's different. Right. That's different than what we've seen. I won't necessarily say it's because of analytics. It's not because of Elias. It is simply a different way of doing things than we saw with Showalter. Yeah. But Showalter's style was more old school. Yes. On the other hand, Hyde did something very old school that I I kind of liked. Mike Wright had a gross outing. Terrible. Terrible outing for opening day. Not fun. Yeah. It was ugly. So what happened? The very next game, Mike Wright gets brought out in a clutch situation and gets a save. Yeah, and dominates. And dominates. It, it's not even close. Look, I, I don't believe in Mike Wright. I don't think that he is a, a legit major league uh, reliever. But what Brandon Hyde did was he said, hey, kid, I, I still believe in you. Go out and, and pitch. And he did. That's a real old school thing. Right. And so I think that we've seen in a very short sample size, let me pull out the microscope and make grand sweeping generalizations where they don't belong. Sure. I think we're going to get a little bit of both. My question is what changed? You look at that opening day start and he's throwing 92 to 93 miles per hour. And then he comes out to close that game and he's throwing 96 to 97. You don't gain four to five degrees on your fastball just like that. Like what happened? Like did he just, was he just running off adrenaline? Like, how do you harness that going forward? Because again, we talked about it from a Tommy Hunter standpoint and yes, Tommy Hunter did go boom on occasion and more than likely Mike Wright is going to go boom as well. Yeah. But 96, 97 is going to play. It's going to play very well. And you know, on occasion it's going to backfire you, 
man, if you could have Mike Wright pitching 96 or 97, that's intriguing to me. That's something that I want to see more of. But if he's going to pitch 92, yeah, not really interested. Yeah. So I'll be interested more so to see where does that velocity level off in the bullpen and can the Orioles do something in order to increase that max velocity going forward every single time that he comes out? Look, maybe they'd give him like prisoner of Azkaban right before he goes out. I was just going to say, he looked more like a Hufflepuff on opening day. (laughs) God, don't steal my jokes, Scotty. It's almost like we've been doing this for like eight years or something like that. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead to uh, home plate. And I simply want to say this, Scott. I missed baseball. Mm -hmm. We had a terrible, terrible season in 2018. I had PTSD for a long time. And this season, I am not expecting to love the results any more than last year. But in a single series, man, it has been good to watch baseball. And I'm, I'm trying to cling to the little things that make baseball fun. Right. Like there was a play. I don't even remember which game it was, but there was a play that Richie Martin made in the field where, you know, he he made a slick defensive play. And I was like, hey, that was fun. And then in the very next half inning, the Orioles scored. And I was like, hey, that that was a little fun thing that just happened there. Like baseball is fun again. But even as the Orioles were threatening to give away leads on on, uh, you know, I think it was Sunday while pacing the house nervously. I kind of missed that too. Yeah. We're going to get it's like our... the roller coaster as yeah. it were. Like you're going up the hill and you might have fall out the roller coaster or it might go down the hill and you might end up safely, but you just want to experience that thrill ride of uh, the roller coaster promotion that is baseball. And I completely agree with you. This weekend was magical. And ultimately, at the very end of the season, it ain't going to matter. But the fact of the matter is, you took a series, the first series of the season. And for my point, you know, I didn't think the Orioles were going to win a series until maybe June, July, who knows, especially a road series. Like it's not even at home. So you look at that and you're just like, wow, that's great. And then you're also welcoming back kind of the community that you're part of. And again, just following along on Twitter, following along with, you know, people getting excited for someone doing something like a good defensive play or, you know, John Means doing well, Nate Carnes doing okay. Um, good defensive performances, Gary Thorne, Jim Palmer doing something absolutely insane. Um, you know, just absolutely fun stuff and just, you know, sheer, sheer mockery of the Yankees. Um, hate to go back to the Twitter, but like Orioles fan probs basically posting on the Yankees Twitter feed with some of the great, 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 great video. This is just the kind of snark that I want to see. Yeah, let's make the letter L sound, Yankees fans. You better be careful because we might see a lot of that video in reverse. Oh, listen. <laughs> Here's the thing about that, and this is what I already talked about. We are fully expecting to see the letter L multiple times. Again, our manager's a Muppet. We are on Sesame Street here, okay? This show is brought to you by the letter L. This season is brought to us <laughs> by the letter L and the number one. Right, exactly. <laughs> this does not surprise me. When it goes outside of expectations, that's when I really am going to enjoy it. And I'll give you a quick story. Um, I'm sitting down this weekend. I'm watching the game. My daughter walks in, and she says, oh, the Orioles are playing again. And I said, yeah. And she's like, who are they playing? I said, they're playing the Yankees. And she goes, oh, those guys? 
And I said, yeah, but they might win this game. And she's like, that'd be awesome. So we watched the end of the game on Saturday, and she's just like, as soon as the game ends, she goes, yes, took it to them. And I'm like, that's my daughter. This is the same daughter that punched a Yankees fan, right? Absolutely. Nice. And then Sunday, of course, uh, where we don't get a chance to watch the game because we are having dinner because of the rain delay. And she says, Dad, did they win again today? And I said, actually, honey, by chance, they did win. She's just like, I love it when they beat the Yankees. And I was like, all right, I've done something okay here. You might not be able to read and write, but you're knowing how to root for a really bad baseball team. That's really all that matters. That's all that matters, yes. Education in Baltimore doesn't really matter. Home plate, you know, again, we talked about positivity versus ne- negativity. I'm going to say a lot of really mean things about this team a this lot. year. I'm going to say a lot of things in anger and frustration this year. And it's going to be very easy for me to tip the scales into darkness. I miss baseball. And this weekend, I, I got repaid for it. We live in the shadows. We live in the darkness. Get used to it, Baltimore. All right. Why don't we go ahead to your favorite segment? Let's do some fantasy boss. Oh, when it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting, oh baby. You sure do swing. When it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting, oh daddy. You are the king. Baby, you've got me. All right, Jake, starting off Fantasy Boss once again this year. So I've been giving a lot of thought in terms of what we can start from a statistical background. And, um, you know, it's a new era. This is an era where, you know, sabermetrics is being embraced. Sigma Dell is with the team. In fact, Asher Ball's uh, author is going to be coming into the Inner Harbor and going to be signing his book. And Sigma Dell is going to be joining him, which I think is interesting, and talking about the whole aspect of how the, you know, Houston Astros is rebuilt through sabermetrics. So, Jake, we're going to go with a similar notion this evening, um, and we're going to go with exit velocity hmm. as our metric for the week. And you can either choose an exit velocity uh, that is higher for a hitter or a lower exit velocity for a pitcher, and I will choose a corresponding pitcher going from there. All righty. Um, yikes. I'm not sure that I would do a very good job yet of exit velocity for a pitcher. So I'm going to go cheap, and we're going to go with the hitters. I am going to go with Renato Nunez. All right. And not because of his home run. Because Matt Taylor told you to? Not because Matt Taylor's kid told me to. Um, Because I think at this point, especially with the the arm problem, the bat is the only tool that Renato Nunez has. And so I think he's going to be swinging hard. Okay. I'm going to go with a little boom, boom, mm. uh, specifically for the opening series coming up uh, against the Yankees. I feel like Trey Mancini may continue that opening day home kind of trend tendency where someone goes long. So I'm calling Trey Mancini for exit velocity and maybe a little trip to Dong City. You mean a Don Long, Long Dong? Season desist. <laughs> I'll do that. Okay. So, uh, Birds Eye View listeners, if you are not familiar uh, because clearly there are new listeners, right? Um, if you're not familiar with Fantasy Boss, this is how it works. Scotty and I go head-to-head every week. The uh, the loser 
picks the next category. So next week when I lose, I'll have a new category. Uh, we pick players. We basically try to click all week. Uh, if it's something complicated like exit velocity, Scott will um, keep track for us and explain it to me like I'm an idiot. Absolutely. And at the end of the season, somehow I usually pull out a win because uh, numbers don't matter. So I will point out. Because, again, we are in a sabermetric climate. Hmm. BaseballSavant.MLB.com has gone through revision. Again, I have pointed out this kind of web, uh, website multiple times over the years, and it is continuing to get better and better. But now if you were to go to the site and go to the game feed, you can actually take a look at the StatCast metrics that are being put out per play and then for the entire game. So, for example, uh, Renato Nunez in uh, the top of the fifth um, at 36 seven pitches by Thomas Pannone. Just flied out on an 87.8 exit velocity with a launch angle of 41, a.k.a. big old high fly ball without anything going on. With Has an expected batting average of .010. Yeah, not so great. Pretty much an automatic out no matter what happens. The Davis, as it were. The Dave. Well, I mean, Davis has a tendency to line drive directly into the shift. So <laughs> I actually thought about going for with Davis for the exit velocity. We go check out BaseballSavant.com. Some really great things to look through in terms of game exit velocity. You can also look at barrels. You can look at expected batting average to determine um, if someone had a really good exit velocity and a really good launch angle, but somehow someone made a miraculous play and still caught it. These are all ways for you to kind of put into perspective what the actual performance on the field is rather than just you know the generated results that are occurring on the field. And specifically when we're talking about this team going forward, these metrics are going to be much more valuable to the team in assessing talent than the actual outs are right now within the game. Sure. Yeah, I actually love Somewhere there's a 70-year-old shaking his fist and saying, I think he just told me that the games don't matter. That's correct. The games do not matter. The points are made up in the, the games. The points don't matter. Are, don't matter. No, I, I love baseball, Simon, and the, the most recent um, updates have made it a lot more um, idiot-friendly. Yeah, for, for guys like me, yeah. it's, it's a really good gateway drug at this point. So if you've ever wanted to get in and and don't want the the snooty of us to explain it to you go check it out it's totally worth your time yeah and if you've got any questions feel free to reach out to jake because he's a you know he's an expert (laughs) i know a guy he knows a guy all right well with that uh why don't we go ahead and do some good some bad and some ugly That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, it's back again. Guess who's back? I think this is the only reoccurring segment that we've had since year one. Yeah, it's the oldest. It is the oldest. It is the oldest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, does it predate this week on the Twitters? I believe so. Wow. So, yeah. All right, let's do it. Good, bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go first um, so that you can rant the longest at ugly. Lovely. Um, My good for this week was Dwight Smith Jr., Okay. I was surprised with uh, he had a, a good offensive game. Um, yeah, actually, a couple of decent offensive games. If he is somebody that can be a major league player, even as a fourth outfielder, I think it's a steal. They got him for nothing, basically. And he's one of those guys where you look at it and you say, I have no idea what to make of this player. He's going to get some innings. He's going to get an audition. If he turns out to be in any way useful, it's huge for the club. So he had a good week, and I wanted to point it out. 
I'm going to go with Jesus Sucre, who single-handedly beat the Yankees the one day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we'll ever see Jesus Sucre actually have another good on uh, the good, bad, and the ugly. But for this one fleeting moment, Jesus Sucre led this team to victory. I have a theory. Okay. Dude's name is Jesus. Yep. He also wears number 40. Yep. Number 40 was the number that Nick Hundley wore. Mm-hmm. Okay. He has the support of the nuns. He does have the support of the nuns. He's going to have sense. a good season. He's going to have a good or season. Or he's going to burn plagues on us. <laughs> All right. Bad this week. My bad. Look, I know that we, we beat on the guy uh, for, for um, being a Muppet of a man, but Brandon Hyde did not excel in the area this week of post-game press conferences. Very, very few people in my heart of hearts will ever compete with Buck Showalter. I love Buck Showalter's personality. It wasn't just sassy Buck. It was everything about who he was and how he dealt with the media. The thing is that when you hire a head coach or a manager in any sport, part of their job function is to interface with the media. And, you know, he could be a great baseball guy. He could be the perfect manager for this team in what it needs right now. Uh, boy, howdy, the, the, uh, post-game pressers, not, not smooth just yet. And, and, you know, if you're Gary Thorne and you're doing that, that first couple of post-game pressers, I know you have to have journalistic integrity. I, I get all that, but I wonder if some point before the, the camera goes on, you just come up to him and say, you know, listen, Brandon, I'm going to ask this. I'm going to ask this. I'm going to ask this. Take a second. Think about it. We'll turn on the light in a second. He's going to have to grow into it. So uh, this week, not loving it. Not loving it. All right. That's fair. I, Without uh, a hand, he's no good. Yeah. Without a hand, he's no good. Um, my uh, my bad for the week is going to go to Andrew Kashner. Um, again, he did get through four innings, but he was effectively wild. He was a Baldo-like. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he managed to get through it, but it was not pretty. So uh, Andrew Kashner gets my bad for the week. All right. Uh, my ugly is going to go to the Orioles' social media apparatus. Okay. When I say that, I mean uh, the Masson side, the official team side. They have made such strides to increase the engagement. They have showed their sense of humor. I really applaud that. But I cannot get over the fact that they are like cowards hiding the score in replays. You are fooling no one. The Orioles are going to lose a lot of games. I feel that you are only highlighting the fact that they are bad when you hide the score. It seems... No, it doesn't seem. It's Bush League. Just play the full thing. We know who this team is. And if you're showing us highlights, we want to see it. They get my ugly for this week. Jake Miley is going to go to... Adulthood. Okay, <laughs> this is this this going to get deep. Do I need to lay down on a couch, Jake? There's only so many times that one can be a child, where someone can enjoy the pure joy and magic, and that day is opening day. Oof! Alas, I have to work this Thursday, and alas, I won't even be in the state of Maryland to see other individuals wearing orange and celebrating with their fellow Orioles fans, not so much just celebrating the aspect of the team being good, but just celebrating, as we talked about at home plate, that baseball is back 
and there's a general camaraderie of expecting that this is going to be a terrible team. But uh, hey, at least we've got good beer in our hand. Mm. Yes, Jake, my ugly is going to be, even though I took off seven months ago for a vacation day, being told, nope, that doesn't really matter. You've got to be an adult, and you no longer can be a child. Rage. Rage against the die in the light. That just means that you have to be a child the rest of the time. I'll keep that tradition going. <laughs> Listeners, pour one out for Scotty on opening day. That's, this, is, this is a travesty. Travesty. This is a travesty. Scotty, I, I don't want to break the rules. Okay. But I have a bonus ugly. Is that loud? I, I'm, ring the bell. It's allowed. Okay. It's unusual, but we'll allow we'll it. We'll allow it. Uh, bonus ugly, me. About time you said it. <sighs> Man, I suck. I tweeted out that the Orioles were in first place because I got all excited. I don't know how I lost track of the Rays. At some point on Saturday, the entire AL East was knotted up one and one. And so I just assumed that when we won our second game that we would at least be tied with the Rays at two and one. But alas, they were three and one and in first place. And I, like an idiot, tweeted out something that was factually incorrect. It would have taken me 14 seconds. I'm an idiot. Welcome to Birds of View, your lack of insight and basis opinion. I just wanted to say it out loud. That's all. Okay. That you're an idiot? Yeah. Yes. I get you. All right. Let's go ahead and blow the save. Scotty, I'd like to restart a conversation we had off mic about the mass and broadcast yeah here on monday night on april 1st we were watching a little bit of the game before we started recording and a newish uh mass and uh graphic came up to show uh jonathan vr leading off first base and we got a lot of information in that graphic we got the uh, percentage uh that he was likely to be successful in a steal at a certain point at his lead um it was called the go line Right. And that was the first time that I had seen that. I'm sure, you know, maybe even hadn't happened last year. I don't know. Um, but it got me to thinking there are changes a brew within the organization, and that's going to extend to the broadcast of the game. God love them. Gary and Jim are trying, right? You, you have the both of them talking about barrels. Yep. Jim Hunter or Jim bear Palmer. barrels. <laughs> Jim, Jim, Jim Palmer is trying real hard with the barrels thing. Whiskey barrels. Right. Bourbon uh, barrels. The graphics with the stats are changing, right? We're we're getting more than just the back of the baseball card. But I was really hopeful with this, you know, this go zone that, that we looked at, this stolen base success. It reminds me of when StatCast first came out. Sure. And we looked and we said, wow, look at all the new pieces of information that baseball has figured out how to display on the screen in game, real time to give you new information, new insights on the game. I'm kind of excited that even this small change is taking place sure. in Masson because for an Orioles media outlet, yeah. even the small changes are huge. Can I steal your thunder to a certain regard on this? Do it. Uh, so there was an interesting study that came in. I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, but they were discussing the aspect of um, Major League Baseball popularity. And of course, we are always trying to constantly change the game. 
Um, and there was an indication made um, that as per um, Generation Z, which again is individuals that are under the age of like 22, I believe it is. So we're looking at 22 to let's say 10 um, would be this this Gen Z aspect. They said that um, Major League Baseball is actually the most popular sport equal to the NFL now um, and has surpassed um, basketball and hockey. Um, and they said it's actually a really interesting scenario because – sorry, one second, scenario. Let's go to that again. Um, but they said you know, the StatCast revolution and specifically these broadcasts that are kind of putting out these kind of visual graphics in terms of telling you know what is the probability of success – is very similar to kind of an e-game platform that is being put out there in terms of a, a daily you know aspect that is put on ESPN and or like a Disney XD. And they said putting together that probability odds is something that really resonates in terms of the culture from a Gen Z standpoint because ultimately they are making decisions on the basis of these probability that basically gives them like the best chance of succeeding. So, you know, I, I think you know part of the game being shortened was to be done for the millennial generation and baseball certainly fell out of line with the millennial generation. If we look at Gen X, still very popular. We look at the millennial generation, again, lost a lot of accolades. And now we've got the Gen Z generation that is starting to come back to baseball. So there does seem to be a blip on the radar. Um, but ultimately I, I agree that seeing um, new age vision and putting together a perspective of how this impacts the game is classic bird's eye view season one where we try to basically take what is occurring on the field and apply some numbers to tell the story as opposed to dictating this is how the game is supposed to be played. Something you said very early in our show when you talked about why you appreciated statistical analysis when it came comes to the game is that you you said at some point when that doesn't happen, right? When something that is incredibly likely to happen doesn't happen and you're surprised, it's fun. Right. And to figure out why, to figure out what was it about that moment that didn't have the thing that was supposed to happen, happen. You, the more information you get on screen, the more expectation you have, the more of those moments you're going to have. There's one example of that in my head and it's a classic one. 2016, September, last week of the season. What a very special time for me. A somewhat overweight, stocky Asian man comes to the plate and manages to hit a home run to right field with a 96-mile-per-hour exit velocity. Hunsu Kim essentially launches the Orioles into the playoffs, as it were, to fight for a wild card against the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, we all know what happened, but ultimately, that was a ball that at any other ballpark would have been an out. At best, a double. But in this case, a little magic happened, and we can tip our cap to it. All right. I, I, I should stop here, but I have this idea, and I have to talk about it. Okay. I had this idea. Sorry, we're totally going to save 2.0. I know. We're, 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 we're shifting topics here. I have a great idea, a great, great idea. I whined about um, Masson again with their alternate programming. It wasn't rodeo this time. It was snowmobile. Um, I don't understand why Masson can't get their stuff together, right? Fans are clamoring to love Adam Jones, right? Why are we not watching an Adam Jones marathon? Why are we not watching the best of Adam Jones? Why isn't there original programming that fans will celebrate? Because I'm a sucker, and I'm not the only one in Birdland. You don't have to spend your Monday nights in SD Studios to care enough about the team that you'll watch some, some original programming. I had a thought. 
what about instead of Oriole's classics presented the way they are? What about like a pop-up video? Mm. Oriole's classics. Maybe a condensed game, right? So it doesn't have to go the full three hours. Mm-hmm. Pop-up video. So um, I believe Dylan Atkinson is acting as an intern this year for Mass and Sports. It sounds like it might be an opportunity for us to contact his boss and say, hey, if you're looking for a project for Dylan Atkinson, um, maybe actually ask him to do some work and pull a bunch of numbers from the 2012 to 2016 Orioles. Sorry, Dylan. Sounds like you got a busy summer ahead of you. Uh, listeners, I keep throwing this out here, uh, but I, I want to know, what else would you watch during a rain delay? What else would you watch after a game that you're so stoked, you're super excited, the post-game show ends, and you don't want to watch Rodeo? What would you watch uh, uh, if you uh, happen uh, to sit down a few minutes early before a game comes on? I, I'm perfectly fine by Rodeo. <laughs> Cowboy Monkey Rodeo. Cowboy Monkey Rodeo. You, I stand, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. But listeners, tell me, besides uh, pop-up video, uh, because I am of a certain age, what pop-up video? Mm, what would you watch? Uh, on original mass and programming. Let us know. Tweet us out. Uh, Birds of UBL. And now I'm done. I promise. Sorry. All right. And that is our show? That That is our show. On VH1. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Birds Eye View is available for download wherever it is you should podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and Spotify. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. But the very best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, welcome back. We've missed you. I'll bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. It was a fun weekend. It was a fun weekend. It's not going to last. Yeah. But the totals were lovely. And they can't take that away from me. No, they can switch those totals pretty quickly. Yeah, I know. I know. But right now I'm going to say that and it's going to feel true. Maybe they'll be in first place after tonight. I won't. I won't put it Will you check the, the standings? No, no. Okay. No, I won't. You just tweet it out again. Good gift selection, though. I have my moments. They're few. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.